So, sweet potato production and the Adventist advantage. When we think about the Adventist advantage, we think of the health message. If you were to Google Adventist advantage, you would come up with a bunch of articles about the longevity of Adventists and the health uh, principles and so forth. And um, you're probably wondering, well, what does that have to do with sweet potatoes? Well, you will find out as we get into it. But as we grow and promote sweet potatoes, we're actually, it's part of promoting the health message. And uh, it goes really hand in hand and it it provides excellent witnessing opportunities and uh, the ability to help people, many of whom are struggling with health issues. Sweet potatoes, let's talk about the properties of them a little bit. Um, Sweet potatoes, by some authorities, many of them, are rated as the best vegetable that you can eat. Uh, They're loaded with carotenoids, vitamin C, potassium and fiber and many other minerals and and beneficial uh, elements. The skin has as much antioxidants as blueberries and three times the nutrients of the flesh. So don't peel your sweet potatoes, buy organic ones that have not been sprayed with, um, with a fungicide. The, the uh, conventionally grown ones, if you, you can go on and watch on YouTube how they pack them in the packing sheds. Just before they drop into the box, they are sprayed with a fungicide to give them a longer shelf life. I don't know how good that is for you, but I would prefer not to be consuming that. Um, the sweet potato can absorb up to 62 minerals if they're present in the soil, and more, uh, that's more than three times most produce that we eat. So they are packed with nutrients. They're so good that NASA sends sweet potato with their astronauts up into space because they know it's going to provide them with um, nutrition. Sweet potatoes have an anti-cancer protein called sporamin. It's 80% of its total uh, protein, and it's so powerful against cancer that a person with uh, tongue cancer that eats regularly the sweet potato it's like a chemo treatment on, them, on the cancer that the cancer will actually go into remission from just eating the sweet potato. Uh, studies have been done. If you want to learn more about that, if you go to nutritionfacts.org, Dr. Greger has a, a presentation on it there, and um, very amazing. And, and more than just tongue cancer, it actually the protein can be absorbed into our, our blood and... Um, Apparently, there's studies out there that uh, are quite amazing as far as what it can do. The leaves, if you grow them, you can eat the leaves. And um, I'll just read to you what I read in this particular article. It was a a, a posting on Facebook, but it did have a reference to a PubMed um, study. And I went there and read a lot of the the, uh, language was over my head. But this is what the uh, posting said. Sweet potato leaves kill 94% of prostate cancer cells in vitro. An extract of sweet potato leaves was discovered to be extremely toxic to prostate cancer cells in a study killing 94% of them and slowing the growth of prostate tumors in mice by 75%. Other research has shown that these super greens are also active against breast cancer, lung cancer, colon cancer, stomach cancer, and leukemia. And the health benefits of these greens are not just for the lab. One study out of Taiwan showed that eating at least 100 grams per week of this super vegetable decreased lung cancer risk by up to 57%. In other studies, sweet potato leaves boosted immunity. 
in humans and lowered blood sugar in mice with type 2 diabetes. And if you need an energy boost, sweet potato leaf could be just the vegetable for you. A recent study showed it significantly relieved fatigue in mice, increased exercise capacity, and even boosted muscle glycogen uh, levels. Why are these greens so powerful? They are an excellent source of protein, uh, potent antioxidants called polyphenols, including the unique and powerful, not sure if I can pronounce that word, but you can read it, and anti-cancer peptides. And alkaline diet fans, take note, these greens are one of the most alkalizing vegetables out there, delivering 400% the alkalizing power of pure lemon juice, ounce for ounce. So maybe instead of wheatgrass, we should be out there juicing um, sweet potato leaves. So I come from Weimar Institute, where we have the college and the academy, and it is a really good fit for us with a school program that is totally out of sync of our, with our growing season. So we plant them before school gets out. So we plant in May. And um, then through the summertime, we just water and weed, keep them growing. And when school comes back into session again, then we harvest. Uh, we harvest, uh, usually we start in October. We could possibly start in September. But giving them more time is beneficial to getting them to a larger size. Um, we store them, we wash, pack, and ship them during the winter, and we use student labor for that. Um, it provides excellent work experience for unskilled students. You know, there's, when you bring students onto the farm, there's not a lot that they can do without doing a lot of damage or needing a lot of time and mentoring. But with sweet potatoes, you can put them to work, and it's beneficial. Um, there's minimal damage and loss occurred by their careless handling compared with other crops. They can do a lot of damage. In fact, I heard from uh, one farm uh, manager says, students kill plants. So um, they can be a little hazardous when they're learning. But we have, um, any, we have elementary kids come out and they have fun picking up the sweet potatoes and, and uh, helping out um, and... Yeah, it's a good fit for a school. But I will say this. The further north you go, the less viable sweet potatoes are because you need a, a nice warm uh, growing season. I have read that some people in Canada are growing them and um, they start them under plastic. But they probably don't get very big is my guess. But I read this in one article uh, that sweet potatoes are a marketer's dream commodity because as with blueberries and strawberries, demand keeps increasing despite harsh economic times. And I have found that to be true. We've been growing them for four years and each year um, we sell more of them and we're not really pushing them hard and um, we're selling out a lot sooner every year. So, um, and I'll share with you a little bit about the growing method. If you have better tasting ones, they sell real well and uh, the demand increases from that. So it provides off-season income. This is a real bonus for farms because most of your income comes in through the short summer months, starting maybe July when, when at the peak of the season, and then tapers off and by September and by when October comes, your income's almost uh, completed, and that's when sweet potatoes kick in. In fact, when the weather starts getting cold, people start buying more sweet potatoes. It's a cold weather crop. They like to eat them hot. 
and um, especially the holiday season, Thanksgiving, the sales just go through the roof. We probably sell um, three or four times as many a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving than a normal week. So, and, and Christmas is higher too. So it, it boosts your income when you normally wouldn't have an income. So getting started with this crop, the source of wisdom. You want to learn how to farm? Go to the source, go to the, the originator, the creator. This uh, particular passage When I started farming, I claimed this promise that is contained in this uh, particular passage. And I'll read it to you. It says, Give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my speech. Does the plowman keep plowing all day to sow? Does he keep turning his soil and breaking the clods? When he has leveled its surface, does he not sow the black cumin and scatter the cumin, plant the wheat in rows, the barley in the appointed place, and the spelt in its place? For he instructs him in right judgment. His God teaches him. Do you think he's interested in teaching us today? Very much so. For the black cumin is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cartwheel rolled over the cumin, but the black cumin is beaten out with a stick and the cumin with a rod. Bread flour must be ground, therefore he does not thresh it forever, break it with his cartwheel or crush it with his horsemen. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. So I would claim this promise from the Lord and ask him to teach me. And it's amazing how the Lord um, brought into my life mentors who, with experience that got me on the right track from the beginning. I still made mistakes and I still had to learn the hard way from some things, but I think I was given a, a definitely an advantage Um, from just those providences that uh, came into my life. In the book Education 111, we are told, in the cultivation of the soil, the thoughtful worker will find that treasures little dreamed of are opening up before him. No one can succeed in agriculture or gardening without attention to the laws involved. The special needs of every variety of plant must be studied Different varieties require different soil and cultivation, and compliance with the laws governing each is the condition of success. So we want success, we must study and know what the plant needs are and what are the conditions for success. Sweet potato rarely flower. They don't put out many flowers. In fact, I have discovered that they typically flower when they have too much water. Um, That's when the flowers uh, seem to appear, but they don't really reproduce through the flower, Um, and they don't produce, you know, a seed like that. I've I've read a little bit about how they do um, cross varieties and and come up with new varieties, and uh, it's not very easily replicated. So how do we reproduce sweet potatoes? How do we come up with seed for planting? You can see in this picture here inside our high tunnel Uh, You see where those hoops are in the raised bed. Uh, What you can actually do is set up, probably before you put in the soil, you get your sweet potatoes and you lay them in a layer on the ground, maybe give them about half an inch gap between, but you can crowd them together, completely cover the the width of the bed and as long as as, uh, you want. Um, We had there about 10 feet and about four foot wide. And from that, we got enough slips 
to plant out about, um, at a guess, I think it was probably about 15,000 square feet. So you can grow a lot of plants in a very small area. Now, when you put them close together like that, um, we start them in, on the 1st of March, and spring is, it's just barely starting to, you know, the days are getting a little bit longer, and, and it's barely starting to get slightly warmer. But we start them the 1st of March, and um, those hoops that are over there, we actually started them there before we actually put our plastic over the high tunnel. So we just had plastic over, like a low tunnel, over them so that the sun would heat them up and then completely seal it around. We've got drip tape in there so that they get uh, watered. And um, then they, uh, with the sun shining in and getting hot inside there, in about two, just a little over two weeks, they start sprouting and coming through the, the mix. And, and the mix that we have in there is a compost sand mix. You can do it with straight sand. I've seen the commercial growers just use straight sand. I like to have a little bit of um, uh, nutrition in there, and I, I find that the slips grow a little bit faster. Some varieties grow really fast. Um, the most popular variety that we sell is the slowest growing one. So they need a little bit more stimulus to, to get them growing. They grow up thick and, and close together, so when you, when you cut your slips, and when I talk about a slip, that's the plant that you're going you're gonna, to um, put in the ground, and the slip is all it is is a piece of the vine. Some people think that sweet potatoes are like regular potatoes and they have eyes and you cut them in pieces and plant them in the ground. No, you don't do that. When you cut them, they're probably going to go rotten. <laughs> so the slips are the vine, and with them crowded together, instead of them creeping horizontally and going out uh, that direction, they go vertical because there's no place for them to go except up, which is really handy because then you can grab a whole handful of them and with a, a sharp knife, we use one of those hook uh, type of knives, serrated knives, grab it and then just you can cut a whole handful. And in the front of that picture there, you can see uh, a it's actually a plastic tote full of them. And, and we'll put in about a couple of inches of water in the bottom of that tote and then just cram it full. And we can fit about a thousand slips into that one little tote. And then we take it out into the field to plant. Darren, yes? There's no, roots? no roots. You don't need roots. These things are amazing. In fact, how many of you have had to wrestle with quack grass and, and um, Bermuda grass and all that type of thing? And what happens with them if you don't get rid of it and it just lies around or it, gets, it lies on the surface? It just puts down roots, doesn't it? And it spreads like crazy. Well, sweet potato is a little bit like that. Those vines, once they're in, in contact with the soil and moisture, they put out roots and um, they, they get established quite fast. I like to cut them and get them in the field the same day and within a few hours because they rebound so fast. But you can keep them in that plastic tub for probably up to, a two, to two weeks to a month, depending on the temperature that you're keeping them in, um, and plant them, and they still will grow. They're very hardy. Um, so, yes, a question. Yeah. Yeah. 50-50 mix. Sand and compost. And then I add, I add a little bit of 711, which has a bit of nitrogen in there as well, about... Um, Probably one in thirty mix. We buy ours. We we uh, to make the volume of compost that that you need on a farm is a lot of work, and uh, we can buy a semi truckload 
that has uh, 40,000 pounds for about seven or eight hundred dollars delivered. So um, the amount of work you have to, to put in to produce that um, would, if you looked at the time you put into it, it would probably, the return on your time would be maybe a dollar an hour. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. So basically, um, when you have your raised bed, that, our raised bed is about six inches. So uh, we put the sweet potato in there and probably cover them with about an inch of, of the soil mix above that. Now, if you're a home grower, how many of you are here are home growers and want to know how to do it at home? Okay, let me tell you how to do it at home. Just get yourself a, uh, what is it, a three or four gallon pot and put your mix of soil in that, but don't fill it to the top. Maybe fill it to about um, eight inches from the top. Put your sweet potato, you can put one or two in the top there, and then cover it with half an inch to an inch above that, and then take a piece of clear plastic, a plastic bag, put it over the top, put a string or, or something elastic around there, and um, keep it inside your home where the temperature is <clears throat> 70 or above. Because when you start these, the temperatures outside may be you know, in the 50s and they're not going to sprout at that temperature. So, yeah, moisten it, yeah, keep, make it moist. Yes. One sweet potato, the larger the sweet potato, probably the more slips that you'll get. And I would suggest buying um, organic ones to, to grow your plants from because the antifungal sprays, I have heard that they can spray also with an anti-sprouting um, mix as well. So I don't know if they all do that, but if you buy an organic sweet potato, it's not going to have the, the um, spray on it that's going to retard the, the sprouting. But um, So then put them in the bed, I mean put them in your pot, cover them, put the plastic over and inside the house um, and in about two weeks you'll start, two to three weeks you'll see the sprouts coming up and when they grow up and hit the plastic at the top then pull the plastic off, put them in the, a window where they get the, the sun coming in, probably the morning sun and, um, and if you don't mind leaving it inside, they will continue to grow there. They don't have to have sun all day. If it's in a, uh, a window that gets the sun in the morning, um, that will be sufficient. Keep, them, you know, keep it moist, and they will grow out long vines. And by May, we plant out in May, but wherever you're living, you want to know when your last frost date is so that you know when to plant out. But... Um, they'll grow out, and sometimes they will grow, those vines will grow out maybe three feet. Some varieties are faster than others. You could cut that into uh, three or four slips to plant out. So we could get uh, anywhere from a dozen slips off one sweet potato to 20 or 25 slips, depending on the variety and how fast they grow. Um, it's very easy to, uh, to do. And um, you'll be amazed at how easy they grow. But, you know, the, the knowledge of growing the, these seems to be not out there. In our area, we had the uh, Master Gardeners Club wanted us to teach them how to grow, even though, you know, they're, they're experts in growing a lot of other things. Um, but a lot of people don't know how to grow them. So any more questions on... Yes? Doesn't matter. You can plant it upside down. It will still grow. <laughs> So uh, they're amazing. So um, very easy, very, very easy to do. So once you've got your slips grown, the next step is to prepare your soil. Now, if you're growing them at home, 
What, what I've got here is a molder on the back of the rototiller, but at home you can rototill your garden and then just take a rake and, and rake from both sides and make yourself a mound eight to ten inches deep. Eight inches is enough. You know, uh, just like that, a mound of dirt. And then you, you will plant them in the top. Now, <clears throat> like as I mentioned before, that sweet potato have the ability to absorb up to 62 minerals and if they're in the soil. In our area, we have somewhere around 15 or 16 minerals in the soil. And um, so amending your soil is really, really important. We do a soil test and we see what's missing and uh, follow the recommendations to put what's there. And we additionally use ocean minerals. Um, they can be broadcast on the surface, but you want to look out for your sodium level on your soil test. If it's too high, don't use uh, ocean minerals. Use azomite. Um, so, yes. No, no. Actually, it's interesting. We've got clay soil, and um, when I first started into it, I knew you could grow them in clay soil because I've seen it done in New Zealand. Um, I, I talked to the UC Davis uh, expert on, on sweet potato growing, and he said, well, if you're going to grow them in clay, you're probably going to need to add a lot of compost and soften up the soil and, and so on. Well, I didn't take his advice and uh, went ahead and grew them. Our sweet potato grown in clay are a lot uglier than the ones grown in sand, but they're sure a lot more nutritious, and they use about a third the water as the ones grown in sand. In California, that's significant where there's a water shortage. So um, when you're rototilling up your garden, um, it's not so important in a home garden where you're not planting a lot, but where we're planting a, you know, several acres of it, we're planting them by hand in the soil. And if the soil is not fluffed up nice and light, if it's hard and still a little bit clumpy, your hand and your wrist gets really tired and sore planting them because we, we, we plant uh, sometimes over 50,000 of them so it's, um, it's a, it gets hard on you. So we rototill maybe three times um, to, to get it uh, broken up nice and light and then go over it with the molder and the molder molds it up into a, a nice shape to plant into. And then once it's, well, there's the, the picture of the molder. Um, I just welded this up myself. It's a very simple, um, basically a box on the back of the uh, rototiller that, that bolts on there. And then it just shapes to the shape that you want the beds to be. We did it at 30-inch centers because the, the wheel track of a lot of the tractors is 60-inch. So by doing it at 30-inch, uh, you can fit two rows um, the commercial growers do it at 40 inch, but they have tractors that are bigger and have a, a wider wheel um, base. So um, they probably can grow bigger sweet potatoes having that extra space. So if, you have, if you're doing it at home and you want um, them to grow a bit bigger, you could space them more than 30 inches, maybe 36 or 40 inches apart. That, we, we notice on the edge rows that the edge rows are always bigger than the ones inside where they're a little bit more crowded. But anyway, this, this works. And um, so it's just basically, well, you can see from the picture there, you could probably have, if you can't weld, you can probably go to a, a shop and have them make it up. And I don't think it would cost too much money, maybe five or $600. If, um, I know it's a lot of money, but if you're going to do a, several acres, it's worth it. 10 gauge. 
Um, so here's a, a picture of our soil audit that was done and the recommendations of, of minerals that we needed to put on the field. And um, the one, the most important mineral that they need is the sulfate. They hardly need any nitrogen. In fact, we grew them for probably three years without giving them any additional nitrogen. Um, our soil, from the soil audit, I think it had, um, let's see, 82 pounds per acre already available in the soil. You know, rain brings down some nitrogen and there's some there in the soil. So um, for the first few years, I didn't add any, but the first six weeks of growth is vegetative growth. They're not putting on, um, you know, a, a sizable root. So by giving them a little bit of nitrogen, the recommendation is 120 pounds for it per acre. So it's only a little bit more than what's in the soil, but it'll, it'll allow them to grow the vines a little bit faster and then you stop giving it to them and um, then they concentrate on putting on the root so I wouldn't worry about it too much on a, in a home situation. Um, it just, for us, it just gives us, it speeds the process up a little bit. So then we get to the planting, and you can see these lads here that have um, some slips in there, sitting there in their laps, and um, they, these guys got experienced at planting and got quite fast at it, but um, and they wanted to go faster and faster to see how they... And I actually made a mistake of playing along with them because afterwards I went back and, and some of the spacing, instead of being 12 inches or 8 inches apart, depending on the variety, um, they, they started the, the, the spacing got a bit wider. But anyway, uh, in this little video, you'll see them um, planting quite fast. They um, just stick them straight in the ground. Uh, there's a technique to it. Um, you can't see it here. You'll see me doing it. You can kind of see me putting it in and tucking it backwards. So you want about six inches of the slip under the ground. And uh, depending on the soil, if it's light, it's easy to put them in. If it's heavy, it, you've got to really push it down, you know, to get it in there. When you're not experienced, what I'm, I see most people do is they push down and they use a lot of strength to push down. When you get the technique, it's just here's the surface of the soil, you're holding it like a pencil and the tips of your finger just break the soil and then you tuck it under. But you don't, you don't want it to be too close to the surface. You want it to have a, maybe four inches of, of soil above it so it doesn't dry out um, too quickly. So you can see here, I should probably go back to the beginning. Well, you can't see what we're using for transplanting. Um, I'll have to go through this again. The sled that they're on, actually, I just made this up out of um, water pipe. It was just old water pipe that we had there. And it's just bent uh, five foot between the front and the back and five foot wide and then just put the, the uh, places to attach to the uh, three-point linkage. And it just slides along the ground in between the rows. And we put... we. We had some old thrown away chairs from the academy and we just uh, cut them up and welded them onto uh, there and that worked fine. So, And then we mounted our drip tape rolls on the back because the first watering that they get is the most important water they get in the whole season. If you don't get water to them right away, um, they can start wilting and, and they may survive, but... Um, 
if you get water to them right away, the roots start growing. If you leave them in water like a flower in a vase, you'll see in a few days they can put out half an inch of roots just very, very fast. What I Ideally, when I've got three guys planting, um, I'll have one guy just hooking up water continually, so following immediately after they're in the ground. Um, they're hooking up the drip tape. It's been rolled out. All they have to do is put an end on it and a, a, a connector into the manifold, connect it, and get water immediately. So um, they, they rebound much faster if you get water to them. If you, if you drag a bit and they get half an hour of no water or an hour of no water, then you're going to see it could take them another week or so before you actually see them really starting to take off. If they're freshly cut and they're planted and get the water right away, in a week you can see them, you know, they're starting to put growth on in, in, in that, that quickly. Um, so the faster you get the water, the better. Yes, but they still won't rebound as fast. Yeah, when they're in the tote and, and left in there for a week, you'll pull them out and they'll have roots sticking out the side of them already. Um, well, they still take longer. I, I think it knocks them back, definitely knocks them back, even though they've got some roots on. And put them in the ground that way? No, no, we haven't done that. Um, if you're doing it in a home situation, you can probably have a watering can and just put them in the ground and then just give them... They don't need it. You know, the, the, um, in some areas where they don't use drip tape, like in New Zealand, no drip tape's used. They go over top with a water cart and they've got a three-quarter inch pipe that's um, been flattened a bit and it directs down atop of the, the top of the row and they just drive along the rows with this water pouring out and they don't get a lot of water, but they need to have moisture to, you know, get them started. Yes. That, yeah, that'll work because it'll get the moisture and it'll make the hole for you. So, yeah, as long as they get the water, that's really, really important. Now, um, something else that uh, we use, we actually, when we put the slips in the uh, plastic tub, you don't have to do this. I don't know that I uh, have really monitored it to see it makes a significant difference, but the mycorrhizae fungi, um, I bought the uh, powder, uh, and put it in the, mixed it in with the water that the slips are sitting in. So when we pull them out, they've been inoculated a little bit with it, and then we put them in the ground. Sometimes when I'm pulling the um, sweet potato out of the ground, I can see the white kind of spiderweb-looking mycorrhizae on them. I don't see it on them all, but I do believe it makes a difference. Um, so for what it's worth, you may want to experiment with that. Um, Let's see. Well, let me skip over this slide here. We we actually um, feed. I, I mentioned the nitrogen, but we actually feed, and it's what makes them fat. If you don't feed them additional potassium, they're longer and more slender, as you can see. Well, I'll, I'll come to it. Um, and we've we've put um, maxi crop, which is a uh, kelp extract that helps the rooting as well. And it's not necessary, but I like to try things to see if it makes a difference. And I think it does help speed them up a little bit. But the ocean minerals provide 90 minerals to them, and, and so they absorb that. And just without getting into too many details, when I started growing using ocean minerals, I didn't realize how powerful for our health it really uh, is. 
I used to have seborrheic dermatitis and um, the doctor said there's no cure, you just have to use this Nizoral shampoo to, to control it and uh, it was really a curse. I had it for nearly 30 years. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.